All right. Good morning. Good morning. It is Friday morning and welcome to our third edition of Our Seat, Our Table. And this is a very, very important edition. I have so many great people on, but most of all, before we get going, we have a new administration in the White House. Make some noise. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Oh, make some noise. We are so, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't know about anyone else, but I feel a, a huge relief. I feel like a weight has been lifted off of the country's shoulder. And I am just excited for what is about to happen. Talk about shattering glass ceilings. Oh my goodness, make some noise for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Finally, we have a woman VP in the White House. Sam Cook says it well, change is coming. I have to say change is here. This is monumental for the United States. I, I, I'm going to say this and I'm going to be very, very brief because I will not lament on the past. But I don't know about anybody else, but I've been embarrassed, for, completely embarrassed for four years. And if you are not and have not been embarrassed, I feel very, very sorry for you. I look forward to this new administration, Joe Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris, and what they will do for our country in reshaping. Very good time. I am so in line with what uh, Congressman Jay Claiborne has also put to test. Congressman Jay Claiborne has said that the new national anthem should be Lift Every Voice and Sing. And I am in complete agreement with that. If you do not know Lift Every Voice and Sing, the Negro national anthem, Google it, read the words. It is very lengthy. I've learned that it was initially it started off as a poem and then it turned into a song but we're going to have someone to come in during black history month and discuss that more in depth uh lift every voice and sing my name is barbara chandler and i am the host of our seat our table leadership lounge if you have not heard of us we have been here now this is our third episode and basically the leadership lounge is exactly what it says we are here for our community to highlight our community builders this is going to be a fantastic show our platform starts with a history lesson a lot of these communities have historic african african-american neighborhoods that a lot of our residents or community people are not always aware of so this is a way in which we can tell the stories you can hear the history from a community historian directly on this show today this show today we are going to highlight Harry T and the Harry B. Moore Museum, which is in Mims. We have a community platform. This is where we find local and grassroots community organizers. And we believe in grassroots organizations. We believe that they are the change, the impact that each and every community needs. So we are just so excited to have with us LaWanda Thompson with the Equity Council. And you're going to hear about the 1619 Festival that's in February in Winter Park. Lawani is going to tell you the history as to why that's got started, as to how it got started, and why it's important in a community such as Winter Park. We're going to highlight a local artist, tell you about the work he's doing. 
as well as we have from our business community, even though Chamber of Commerce will be sitting down with Mike Felix with Black Business Owners Florida, who has created a phenomenal platform for small Black businesses in which to promote and market themselves. And then we reached out to one of our social justice brands, social justice partners. It's called No Pass Brand, and it is exactly what it says. That's Rashida Calhoun, and she is here with us as well. We could not bring in the poet from the inauguration, so we reached out to Rashida and she has something special for you. And so while we're speaking about the inauguration, we cannot, we cannot overlook the fashion. Ladies, I'm sorry, gents, but ladies, the fashion was unlike anything we have ever seen. The colors alone, the teals, the royal blues. Amanda had me at the yellow. To come on stage in that bright yellow jacket the gold hair adornments and the red, uh, the red scarf. It was a scarf or the headband. The red headband was tremendous. I love. She had me at the yellow jacket. So once again, it's our seat, our table. I'm Barbara Chandler. I'm your host, and we have so many great things going on. Once again, and I cannot wait to get into this session because I feel again that we are making impact. For those of you who are listening to us, you can follow us on Facebook, Our Seat, Our Table. You can follow us on IG, Our Seat, Our Table. Drop us a line. Uh, the first person who drops us a line on Facebook or Instagram, we have some swag coming in. If I see you're the first person, once the swag comes in, you will get you will get a T-shirt. Okay, uh, we got a lot of the little wristbands, so everybody can get a wristband. You get a wristband. You get a wristband. Once again, it is our seat, our table. It gives me pure delight to introduce to you the very first segment of this show, the history. The history we find is very important. I say it once, I'll say it again. If we don't know our past, we're not going to be familiar with our Therefore, it's going to be hard to get to our destiny. Sonia Millard, are you on the line? Sonia is with the Harry T and the Harry V, Harriet V. Moore Museum in Mims, Florida. Sonia Millard, are you on the line? Yes, I am. How are you this morning, Sonia? I'm doing well, and you? I am doing fantastic. So thank you so much. I know that you are busy. I was on your Facebook page earlier and I saw where you've been giving tours. Everybody's wearing the mask, staying healthy. So once again, Sonia, in creating this platform, we want to let community members, residents know about what the Harry T and the Harry V Museum, we want them to know who Harry T and Harry V Moore, who the Moors were. So this is your time in which to enlighten us on the history of Harry T Moore and Harry V, Harriet V Moore. Okay, Harry T Moore, he was the most hated black man in the state of Florida. Although he was the first civil rights leader to be assassinated, only few know his name. His murder was the spark that initiated the American civil rights movement, but even fewer know his story. Before graduate student Michael King began using his given name, Martin Luther, and before Detroit Red changed his name to Malcolm X, and even before Mega Evers joined the NAACP, civil rights activist Harry T. Moore and his wife Harriet, they were murdered in cold blood. Killed on a day that Christians celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, you know, 
Mary's little baby, the bright in the morning star. Some even say the Alpha and Omega, the day that the Savior was born, December 25th, 1951. My hope today is that after I introduce the Moore family to you, you'll pay the knowledge forward and introduce him to your family and co-workers. And then visit us at the Harry T. and Harry V. Moore Memorial Park and Museum, located at 2180 Freedom Avenue. Harry T. Moore was a man before his time. And isn't it wonderful that we have history right here in our own backyard, right here in Central Florida? So I'm going to just take mm -hmm. you back in time when we lived under the rules of the Jim Crow laws. Harriet mm -hmm. fought for th three things, Harry and Harry T. Moore. They fought for equal pay for black teachers. They fought against the lynchings that was taking place in the state of Florida. I don't know about you. I'm way of New York, but I found out, I thought it was Tennessee, Alabama, Mississippi, mm -hmm. but it was the state of Florida that was number one in lynchings. Wow. And wow. Moore investigated every lynching that took place in the state. And the other thing that he did was that he taught his students how to cast ballots. He understood mm. the power of the vote. So okay. Harry T. Moore was a marked man. Wow. I heard you say that Florida had the most lynchings. And I do not think a lot of people are aware of that. I have read where uh, Mr. Moore himself, he would go and drive through the state of Florida registering people to join the NAACP because voting was so important at that particular time. Barbara, you're absolutely correct. See, he got a piece of literature and when he got a piece of a brochure, it was about mm -hmm. the NAACP. And he said, this is just what I needed. Now, mm -hmm. if he was to get, if he would have got caught with that piece of literature, he would have got hung. But he right. understood that power. So he was instrumental in opening up the different branches of the NAACP throughout the state of Florida. He understood that he had to make a better way. He mm -hmm. knew that a change was gonna have to take place in the state of Florida. So he traveled around the back roads, right? To, um, right. to open up the NAACP. And yes, he got Sonia, Go ahead. No, 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 I'm sorry to interrupt you. About how old was he when he was doing this? Harry T. Moore was in his forties, early thirties into his forties. He did it for, most of his life. Wow. Wow. Would you, what about children? Did the Moors have uh, children? Yes. The Moors had two children, two girls, Rosa, Anna Lee, and Evangeline was the baby girl. Okay. And Mrs. Moore, what was her role in his activism? Harriet's role in his activism was to be a woman. Remember, she was three years older than him. She was taller mm -hmm. than him. And some might okay. say a cougar. They met at a card game. But her <laughs> role was to stand by her husband's side. She understood the plight that was taking place in the state of Florida. And she did everything she could, could to support her husband in his endeavors. Correct, correct. Now, what are some, what's some of the programming? When you come to your location, which I have frequented on two occasions, uh, for those of you who have not been there, it is absolutely beautiful. You sit on about maybe, what, two acres? We're on 12 acres, actually. Well, pardon me. Pardon me. Mm -hmm. That's so okay. Yeah, about 12 acres. And there is also on site, and it's the renovation of the actual home that the Moors lived in. Tell us a bit about that. 
That's correct. To Harry T and Harry V. Moore, Cultural Complex Board of Directors was responsible for securing funding to make major physical enhancements to the park. So they was mm -hmm. instrumental in getting the gazebo built, the Moore's Family Home Replica, our community mm -hmm. pavilion. We have what we call the Walk of Freedom Paveway. Um, mm -hmm. You can walk around the park and we have different interesting things to read about civil rights history. Correct. Now, also, the and, and you haven't touched on this bit of history, and I think it's important that we touched on this. The, the home that the Moors lived in, as we know, a bomb was planted underneath their home, and it was it, a bomb set on uh, December the 25th. Barbara, yes. They celebrated Christmas like you and I. They went over to their family house. They came what year? back. What year was that? I'm sorry. What year was that? Was was that? 19, the year was 1951, December 25th. And the Klansman was hiding in the orange groves. And okay. when they came home, his mother was visiting from Jacksonville and his oldest daughter was there. But not only was it Christmas, Barbara, it was their 25th wedding anniversary. Wow. So when they wow. came back home, he wanted to dance a little bit. They ate a little mm -hmm. bit of cake. And mm -hmm. then they talked a little bit. And his mother said, Harry, I want you to stop this foolishness. You're going to get yourself killed. And he said, mm -hmm. Mom, what's the price of freedom? And they wow. went to bed. But Barbara, someone gave the layout of their home. The Klansmen okay. knew where the bedroom was at, the bathroom was at, and the living room. They also knew that Harry T. Moore slept on the right side of his bed. And mm -hmm. they crawled under the house, just like wow. a snake, and lit the bomb. And it was about 10, 20 p.m. Mm -hmm. Boom! They said that was the bomb heard around the world. People wow. from as far as Titusville and Scottsmore came running. They thought NASA blew up. Right, right. Wow, 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 wow. So much history. And I know you're in Titusville, and mm -hmm. on Google it says MIMS. So do you border Titusville's MIMS area? We border Titusville MIMS area, but the Moors lived in MIMS, Florida. I was okay. just saying that people came walking from as far as Titusville and Scottsmore. That's the okay. surrounding area. Excellent, excellent. Talk to us about your programming, um, school groups, family reunions. Can you give us some information on how you're programming and how people can better support you? Yes. Programs offered here at the culture centers for the enrichment and edification of both children and adults. So we have different programming, such as a mega tea party yearly. Um, mm -hmm. Now, due to COVID, we're just pivoting just a little differently. We have an annual 5K race. We okay. hold different lectures and events inside the um, conference room. We have oral presentations, spoken word. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we hold the Underground Railroad quilt. So we have a quilting class and we have outreach exhibits as well. Excellent. Excellent. It all sounds good. How can we follow what you're doing? How can we stay abreast of what the Moore Museum is doing? Well, you can stay abreast by what we're doing here at the Moore Culture Center by visiting our website. And our website is www.harriettemore.org. Excellent. And also there is Facebook. You are on Facebook, correct? So let me just talk about that a little bit. You know, with okay. everything that's going on, well, Parks and Recreation now have decided to merge all of the community centers 
um, Facebook pages together. So okay. we're no longer in charge of the Facebook page, but they do okay. do Facebook for Parks and Recreation. So I recommend the website. Okay. Okay. Fantastic. Anything else you would like to share with us as far as uh, what the museum is doing um, to move along preserving the history of the Moors? Well, the museum, we're just continuing to share the legacy of the Moors. So we've been adopting schools. We've been going into the schools, running a black history programs. We've been Excellent. reading the um, books to the students. We even partnered with Eastern Florida State College. We've been working with them for the last, I would say four to five years with Very a nice. black history program. And um, we've just been pretty do um, doing a lot of blogging for the newspapers mm -hmm. and just keeping that legacy out there, keeping it alive. That's excellent. Excellent. Once again, Sonia Millard with the Harry T and Harry V Moore Memorial Park and Cultural Center. Please feel free to get in touch with them via the website. And again, this is a great time in which to support these black cultural centers. Okay. So uh, Sonia, I want to thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. All right. You take care. Bye bye. All right. Excellent. Excellent history. Uh, I always say Harry T. Moore is definitely the original civil rights leader doing things on at a very organic level once I out his history. So we want to make sure that we know where these places are. How can we better support them? How can we get involved? If you know somebody that lives in the community and they are able and they're not aware in the MIMS Titusville or neighboring communities, I know that uh, Coco area is also close to there. We want communities, we want residents to know exactly what's in their community and how can they be better supporters of these cultural centers, historic centers that preserves the, the community's legacy, not just the history, but the legacy, and just to begin to edify uh, our communities. Moving right along, I am going to go right over to the Eatonville Chamber of Commerce. Uh, we have with us LaVonda Wilder, who is the founder of the Eatonville Chamber, and LaVonda will be hosting Mike Felix. LaVonda, are you there? Yes, I am. Thank you okay. for inviting me. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I'm going to turn it over to you. Thank you very much. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Small Business Spotlight that is hosted by the Eatonville Chamber of Commerce. I am LaVonda Wilder, the Eatonville Chamber's president and founder. Our guest today is Mike Felix. He is the founder of the Black Business Owners of Florida and the Collective Orlando. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thank you very much for, for, uh, for inviting me here. Well, thank you for accepting the invitation. We were excited to have you on the show this morning and looking forward to hearing a little bit more about your initiatives. If you would, tell us a little about your Black business owners of Florida and the Collective Orlando. All right. Okay, perfect, perfect. Well, so um, I I've been here in Central Florida for going on about 19 years now, no, it's 18 years now. And since I've been here, 
Um, I, I went to school here, started to um, invest a lot of time, energy, um, and sweat here in Orlando to build you know, amazing connections, but at the same time, um, aligning it as much as possible to ensuring that um, you know, just legacy wise, when I leave this earth, it's, it's better because I was here, you know, so, um, so the three, uh, or, or I would probably say the two different areas that I've focused on, um, you know, here, here in Central Florida has, has been within the black entrepreneurial ecosystem development and within the black tech um, e e ecosystem. So BBO Florida came about last year. Um, in the middle of the pandemic, um, I realized that there were there were hundreds, if not thousands, actually, of of black business owners that were having trouble with with this transition, um, you know, getting into the digital space. So BBO Florida was born. Um, uh, we didn't we we focused just on launching, getting as much exposure as possible. And what we did was we started to reach out to hundreds of business owners and asking them, what are some of the challenges that you're facing? What's going to keep you in business and why did you start and what what's your aim and what, what would it look like? You know, three years from now, if 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 you when you're still in business uh, and what resources would enable you to do so? So within Black uh, Black Business Owners of Florida, we we have four pillars. Um, one is the Bibio Florida Academy, which is um, uh, an educational resource bringing together a number of professionals who have different subject matter expertise, and so that they can provide um, as much intellectual transfers of uh, of knowledge as possible. We have BBO Florida Advertising, which is a platform for Black business owners to promote the right way on social media. Um, Facebook and Instagram and some of these other social platforms are behemoth. And, um, and it's not just about making a post and people will see. It's about, you know, paying to play. So we've created an, an infrastructure to really get um, Black business owners the exposure that they need in order to get um, to generate more revenue. We have the BBO Florida Marketplace, which is a platform to enable Black business owners who may not have a full digital infrastructure to still be able to showcase and market their products. And we, we also have the BBO Florida Mastermind, which is a sort of an, a more intimate group of Black entrepreneurs who are coming together to have discussions around um, investing and, um, and, and actually contributing from, from a leadership standpoint to the development of the Black entrepreneurial community across the state. So, um, so that that's BBO Florida in in sort of that sort of a nutshell. Very excited about wow. some of the things to come this year. Wow, I can see a lot of effort has gone into this initiative. Are you a one man show, or do you have a board of directors, or how does this run? Uh, we well, know now we definitely have a we have a team. So we we have a team of individuals who are managing the the Facebook group and that engagement. We have a, a um some some people are sharing roles. We we all share a number of hats. Um, people are organically reaching out to business owners to ask them specific questions and having them fill it, filling out some of the uh, some of the questionnaires, going through some of the registrations, sending out the emails. Um, and and we also have a team of um, a team of resources who we just have. I don't want to say on call, but we have a a team of individuals who are serving as advocates, um, so that so that once other elements of BBO Florida is launched, we're able to reach out to them and, and sort of align them with the initiatives that we have, and you know what what the product and what the deliverables of what we're doing aligns with what they're doing. So that includes a number of investors, community partners, um, uh, uh, people in in government. And um, and other organizations. Well, is there a fee for any of this? 
Um, there are, so, so I don't like to call it a fee. I like to call it an investment. So when it comes to the advertising portion, um, there is an investment for black business owners to make, to get the exposure that they need. Um, and, and, and it is, the aim is for it to be an amplified investment. So, um, my, my background is actually in engineering and I've, um, but, but I came into the advertising and, and digital marketing space years ago. And so what, what I've been doing with a lot of these business owners is, is providing them with a framework to identify what that formula looks like for every dollar they invest, how that can turn into 10. So um, uh, there was a survey done. Uh, we did a survey. Well, I did this survey when I was involved in another organization here in Central Florida around Black entrepreneurs. But um, I, I noticed that out of, 100, out of 100 Black business owners, two of them were actually spending money on ads. And it wasn't that they didn't have the money. It was that they, they weren't sure how how to turn $100 into 2000 or how to turn $100 into three. Um, that's the reason they didn't, they didn't invest. So, um, so we're looking to fix or, or, or to solve that problem or that, that issue or that hurdle with BBO Florida advertising. Awesome. I understand with COVID, we're social distancing and most of us are not meeting in person. We're doing Zoom videos, WebEx, and some of the other platforms. How does your group meet? So, um, so we've been doing a lot of stuff virtually. Um, the, uh, I started a, we started, uh, um, this thing called a discord channel. So, um, so right now, uh, and I'm pretty sure, you know, everybody listening is well aware Facebook is sort of a governor of who sees what. And, um, and so in order to kind of overcome that, we, we created a BBF Florida discord channel that enables business owners to communicate real time and to chat and to also join different voice channels, very similar to Clubhouse, um, which, which is a, a very fast growing uh, voice based social media platform. So we're using that to connect. Um, I've been going live uh, pretty, uh, pretty often within within the group as well and within the platform. But within the near future, what, what we're looking to do is to interview other professionals to have them kind of highlight and showcase what they're doing, promote their business and to also educate the community on why or how some of their solutions um, align with their desires. Oh, awesome, Mike. Thank you so much for sharing your information with our with our listeners. I guess we're running out of time now, and I wanted to thank you again for joining us. And I'm going to read what your Facebook says. It descri self-describes as Mike Felix, launch coach, sales geek, black tech advocate. There you have it. Mike Felix <laughs> has shared some awesome golden nuggets with us today. We appreciate it. Have an amazing day, Mike. Oh, thank Mike, you, if you would you, share your contact information and then we'll wrap it up. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I am. Uh, you can find me at MikeFelix.com or uh, on all of my social media handles are I am, I am Mike Felix. Um, and and from that, from those handles, you'll be able to get to some of these different organizations, the Black Business Owners of Florida, the Collective Orlando and Black Orlando Tech. Um, so you can you, you can get to all of those organizations from a lot of my, my social postings. There you have it, Mike Felix. Have an amazing day, everyone. Thank you again, Mike. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 
Thank you so much, Mike. Thank you so much, Lavanda. That is Lavanda Wilder giving us our business update. Uh, Lavanda, again, is with the Eatonville Chamber of Commerce. And so we got a few minutes. So it's birthday shout out time. I had an interesting day yesterday. And again, living in such a close-knit legacy community allows us to celebrate our sage. We call them sage, our older residents. Rose Bynum, who is a lifelong resident of the Hannibal Square community, turned 96 years old yesterday. So shout out to Rose Bynum. She is quite a diva. I remember meeting her about four or five years ago. So to be able to participate in her vehicle birthday celebration gave me sheer delight. Also, LaVonda Wilder, who we just heard from, LaVonda had a milestone birthday as well on Sunday. So happy birthday to LaVonda and all the fantastic programming that you continue to bring through the uh, Eatonville Chamber of Commerce. Also, Daniel Downer, who was on the last Friday segment, he also turned... Um, he also had a birthday. Not sure how old he turned, but he had a birthday also. So Daniel, if you're listening, happy birthday to you. And today is uh, Peter Schreier. Peter Schreier is the executive director of Creoldi School of and the founder of the Hannibal Square Heritage Center. It's his birthday today. So shout out to Peter Schreier, amazing guy. So we are going right into our community section LaWanda Thompson, are you on the line? Yes, I am. How are you guys? Excellent, excellent. LaWanda, I know that this is a uh, very sensitive time for you with the passing of your mother, and you definitely have the uh, condolences from your community family. I also realize so that this much. is a Absolutely. I also realize that this is a very busy time for you. So thank you for taking the time to meet with us and come on to our seat, our table to talk about the 1619th project. LaWanda, begin with giving us the history of the 1619th project and uh, as why that is so important that it was brought into Winter Park community with the event that you have coming up. All right, so um, the 1619 project uh, came out probably around um, like it was uh, 2019 when we were um, beginning to celebrate or remember the anniversary of, uh, of our 400 years here in America. And uh, one of the main researchers um, and historians that uh, did the investigative journalism to cover that story was Nicole Hannah-Jones. Um, she uh, was a staff writer uh, for the New York Times, uh, very uh, Pulitzer Prize winner um, for her commentary. And so uh, she dove into 1619 because it's kind of one of those things that um, we all heard the oral history throughout our family. And I even know for myself, my parents would constantly say, you know, we've been here 400 years, um, but not having that official start date um, is kind of where the oral, oral, um, oral history uh, kind of just was just like words spoken. But now that we have the official date, which is actually August 20th, 1619, um, 
when the story of Anthony and Isabel Tucker first began, and they were from Angola, um, and they were captured uh, there in Angola and brought to Jamestown, Virginia, and they were the official first African family um, that was written into American history. Uh, so some people, especially if you're from Florida and if you're up on your Florida history, Africans have actually been here in Florida since 1562. Um, but they weren't written. Yeah, they weren't written so far as with history, um, actually because that was the first revolt that happened on American soil. Mm -hmm. And when they had the opportunity, uh, they burned down um, their place of captivity. And then they ran off into the woods, probably to um, link up with the natives and and begin their life in America. And so that that's a little murky. But when we have the written history and also the family lineage um, of Anthony and Isabel Tucker, that's where our written history of being here in America begins. Mm-hmm. And so uh, she covered that. She brought it here. Of course, uh, the New York Times, uh, they had the 1619 Project. Correct. And that's kind of where everything started. And then the commissions were also uh, developed. And we actually happened to be uh, uh, a grant recipient of the 400 Years of African American History Commission, uh, which. Uh, LaWanda, LaWanda, let me interrupt you here. When did you become interested in pursuing to become one of the recipients? Uh, through the commission? When did you begin doing the research to make sure that that could be something that's held here annually in Winter Park? Um, Probably about uh, 2019 is when, well, 2000, yeah, 2019 is when I started. 2018 is when I heard that it was being developed. And 2019 is when I sought out to find more information because for a minute, no one really knew that it, it they knew it existed but they didn't know how to access uh the grants they didn't know how to access the uh uh to become part of the commission and find out what was going on and so once that information started to become ready available that's when i got access to it and started diving in to make sure that our community could be a part of it correct and so it is held in february the festival is held in february And that's also Black History Month. Um, As we have known Black History Month to be, as as long as I've been alive, it's always been in February. So does it coincide with Black history or is it just coincidental that they both kind of happen around the same time? Well, actually, I mean, again, the actual, the the actual date uh, that we celebrated would be in August. Mm -hmm. Um, But we made the festival coincide with Black History Month because uh, in being able to kind of create our own history, which that's the title Correct. of the grant. The grant mm-hmm. is write, Writing a New History. Um, we decided for our area to bring it to Black History Month uh, and leaving uh, Virginia to hold the official celebration um, of the date of August 20th as the celebratory time to so to not kind of uh, steal any thunder. So we have always during Black History Month. Okay, let me ask you this, LaWanda. Uh, this year in February, tell us about what you have lined up as far as what people can expect to see. Give us some dates, some times, locations, and what people can expect to see when they attend the festival. 
All right. So uh, one of our biggest things is that uh, because our festival did so well last year, we have an additional day. And so the festival will take place February 13th and 14th uh, of 2021. And so we're very excited about that. One of our new uh, components to the festival is going to be the Rebel Run 5K. And the Rebel Run 5K uh, is it, it, it's just a special um, component to the event that highlights health and wellness because our first day will be a health and wellness expo. And so uh, participants are welcome to come out and run. Tickets are being sold uh, at 1619 Fest. Um, let me get there. Uh, 1619 Fest Orlando Hannibal Square um, dot eventbrite.com. But for a limited time, uh, Orlando Regional Realtors um, has donated um, almost 100 spots uh, so that uh, there's no financial uh, financial uh, barriers in the way for people to participate in the race. And so okay. if, if you sign up now, um, we're asking that only uh, if you can contribute, um, and that's based on your own free will, uh, to contribute a donation, donation. To, our, um, mm -hmm. to our Olympic athlete that will be running in the race, okay. and that's Mushami Robinson. Um, and so okay. she, has, um, she has a whole uh, a thing lined up right now for her to get ready for the Olympics. You know, she's fundraising. Um, she also has an organization that she's developing to help uh, children um, who are at risk of suicide. Oh, wow. um, so uh, we definitely want to help her. And so uh, donations are being accepted at www.mushamimovement.com. And there you can see uh, her preparation to get ready for the Olympics and donate. So if you sign up for the free tickets, you know, five, ten dollars, twenty dollars, hey, even more, whatever you would like to give. We're asking that uh, people uh, give a donation to Mushami uh, for her just her love for the community, um, her goals as an uh, already achieving Olympic athlete. She's already a gold mm -hmm. medalist, but going out for a, uh, uh, her second gold medal and the 2021, I'm sorry, 2022 Summer Olympics. That's um, exciting. That's exciting. LaWanda, I know that there's also a day where there will be entertainment. Is that both days? What days and what type of entertainment? All right. So um, we have on February 13th, we also have other health and wellness entertainment. Um, mm -hmm. We have Apple Punk Dance. We have Chakra Yoga. We have wine tastings. Um, so there's tickets uh, that can be purchased again at the uh, 1619th Pets Orlando Hannibal Square Eventbrite. Um, okay. Also we have Jason. He's a native of Winter Park, Florida. Him. We have April Brown. April Brown, uh, she performs at our Soku Market, also mm -hmm. around the city. And I think right now she has a gospel brunch uh, going on uh, in here in Winter Park. Um, and so we're excited about that. On February 14th, um, we're hosting a uh, panel discussion slash movie marathon. So the movie marathon will actually begin a week prior to our festival. Uh, we will be showing uh, a lot of movies that are around uh, Africans in the diaspora and revolutions and revolts and just different things that we have taken place in, but that, that history has been hidden to many of us. Um, so we're gonna be discussing that in um, Ralph C. Jackson, who is a history professor out of uh, University of Kentucky. 
he'll be leading that along with uh, brother Andre Polite. Um, he'll be um, leading that as well. We have some um, some some of our musical guests that came last year that just were awesome. Um, Orlando's um, rhythm was, section. Yes, the Orlando's. Oh, wow. it's, um, I'm sorry, I'm having a hard time saying it. Uh, their acronym is ours, but it's Orlando's United Rhythm Section. Um, and that is what type of music is that? Um, Calypso. Excellent. Soca. Yes. Soca. 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 <laughs> Calypso. Yeah. So um, they're, we're really excited to have them back. And we also have a new addition, uh, Jay uh, Noman. He'll be joining us. And then uh, we also have a uh, step show um, okay. that will be uh, led by Stomp. Um, and they're a group that's here in the Central Florida area. And so they'll be joining us as well, as well as other musical guests. The lineup is still building as we're going along. So it's two exciting days of, of just recognizing who we are um, mm -hmm. so far as Africans in the diaspora, whether you're African-American, ADOS, uh, Af Afro-Caribbean, um, just you know, African. Lawanda, <laughs> <laughs> I definitely um I will be there. I'll be on site. It is amazing to see the work that you are doing in the local Winter Park community. I know this festival, as it continues to build, you are going to do fantastic things in bringing in more local artists, more local community program, informative. So thank yeah. you so much. So once oh, again- one last thing, Barbara. One okay. last thing. Okay. It's, the, it's the one year anniversary for the Soku Marketplace, Excellent. which is our economic engine um, to fight against gentrification and to give uh, entrepreneurs of color a place to uh, sell their merchandise and just to get some footing in, in these business spaces. So Excellent. Uh, we're happy to celebrate that. And congratulations. Congratulations. Thank you. Congratulations. All righty. So it is the 1619 Festival. To give us one last time the Eventbrite where we can follow you and get more information. All right, you can go to the event price to purchase tickets at 1619 Fest, F-E-S-T, Orlando, Hannibal Square, H-A-N-N-I-B-A-L-S, Square, I'm sorry, Square, S-Q-U-A-R-E, dot eventbrite.com. So 1619 Fest, Orlando, Hannibal Square, dot eventbrite.com. And I'm sorry it's so long, y'all. It's okay. It's okay. Thank you for doing the work. Thank you for doing the work and keep bringing us organic programming. Lawanda is usual. So Absolutely. And we will talk again. Thank you so much, Lawanda. Coming Thank up you. next. Coming up next. Coming up next. We have a local artist. Again, it's our seat. It's our table. It's the Leadership Lounge. You continue to hear from community builders, community historians, community artisans. We have so much in our community that we get to offer. And I'm glad that I have a seat at the table and we continue to welcome each and every one of you. Next up is our artist segment with Andrew Brown of Brown Box Creative Solution. Andrew, you on the line? Good morning, everyone. Happy Friday to you. I am so excited to be interviewing our next guest. 
He is one of our contemporaries here in the Central Florida area and has a gallery and show space downtown Orlando. Peterson Gurrier, good morning to you. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I always open up my interviews with this one question and everyone has a different story, but how okay. did you get started as an artist? Uh, <laughs> I mean, since I was a, uh, as young as I can remember, um, I, I wanted to be an artist. Uh, I remember just drawing and just messing up my parents' house, really, um, with everything that I could put my hands on. Um, and I was very fortunate to actually um, attend um, art school as, as a kid. My parents was, you know, really uh forward thinking in that in that in that aspect to actually put me into art school but again since i was a kid i never saw myself being anything else besides being an artist wow what was the first piece that you sold first piece i sold when i was in high school um i worked at uh, the regal cinema on south beach um i remember i was a usher and i was standing at the usher stand and i had a piece the, the schedule and uh, i had a pen and i just started sketching one of the movie posters um, and then this gentleman walked by and, and saw, he walked, looked at me, then came back around. He was like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm just, I'm just drawing. And he came around me, looked at the drawing. He was like, how much do you want for it? I'm like, I don't know, dude. I'm like, $5? He's like, okay. But at first, I, when he gave me the money, I'm like, I'm not allowed to accept tips. So you could have it for free because I don't want anybody to think that I'm, oh. I'm, accept, I'm accepting money for, for it. He's like, no, 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 no. So he went, um, called my manager and he's like, listen, I want to buy this drawing from him. Is that okay? My manager was like, fine, that's fine. Um, and I, I, uh, so I sold him the drawing for $5. And a year later, um, he came by. He was like, you that guy that was doing that drawing, right? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, I still have it. I actually wow. framed it in my house. So that was my wow. actual first piece that I sold as an artist, I guess. So I was, I was in 10th grade um, when I wow. did that. And how did that feel as a as a high schooler to just? I, I mean, it was five dollars. I, I spent that like right after, <laughs> but it was it, it was just again. I guess it never really registered um, until later on that summer. Um, I got hired again to do my first mural, which mm. um, I, up to la I think it was there. Um, last year, that's when they finally took it down. It's a local dance studio down in Miami. Um, I used to catch the bus there every day. Again, I, I was always in my sketchbook drawing, and then the owner of the dance studio saw me. And that summer, he hired me to do his logo inside the, uh, inside the studio. And that was like my first big sell, first big anything. Um, but that's when I was like, oh, yeah, I could make a living out of it, even though my parents were still kind of like, eh, you, got, you need to have a fallback. But um, I, I, again, I never saw myself doing anything else besides what I'm doing right now. So then they wanted you to have a fallback. What was your fallback to then? Uh, well, my fallback was uh, uh, medicine because uh, my, uh -huh. my family on my mom's side is very big on, into the medicine side. So, um, and obviously being Haitian, uh, everybody wants you to be a doctor or a lawyer. So, <laughs> um, so actually my first, my, my freshman year in college, I was pre-med and, oh. and I was like, yeah, this is not for me. I can't do this. I, I really, this is not the way I, the way I see things. It's not in this books. 
So then to go from pre-med to art school to last year, we had the Orlando City Hall's Terrace Gallery was dedicated to you for your exhibition, Zuri. Talk right. about those works that you showed there. Um, I've, I moved to Orlando about, what, 15 years ago, and I've been very fortunate to be part of this art community and work with so many amazing artists within the community, um, as well as a lot of the galleries here. Um, but being also doing my, my first museum show with the Manello Museum, which also gave me the opportunity to do the um, show I did last year at the Terrace Gallery. Um, that body of work itself was my, I, my work, I, I, I don't think I stick to one specific subject matter or, or cultural anything. I think my work kind of, it's very diverse. Um, however, when I got the opportunity to do the, um, the Terrace Gallery, I wanted to create something that was very part of me, I guess I would say. And at the same time, um, I wanted to dedicate the, the show was dedicated to my, um, to my daughter. Um, at the time she was what, four, five months. So this was my contribution to, to starting her, uh, I, 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 I don't know how to put this. Um, I feel like I'm getting, I'm going to get all choked up. Um, it was just, it, it was just my, uh, my, uh, my way of thanking God or the universe or just, you know, or at the same time, I also wanted to create something that, um, that when she looks back or when, you know, that she feel proud about. And again, like right now you could Google her name. That's the first thing that, that pops up. And I wanted to create, start her legacy. Um, that way, um, or if I were to pass, you know, if God were to take me right now, at least she will have something that I left behind for her, um, besides just a bunch of paintings that's probably going to be worthless, but, <laughs> but at least she'll have that little piece. What are you, what's your latest project? Where did, where do you, where are you going from here? We are actually expanding to the space next door to us. Uh, we're creating a, uh, a, um, a print studio. Um, again, it's, it's not just for us, but it's, I think it's, it's just trying to elevate the community because we, we were, uh, my partner and I, Chris, um, we were very fortunate to, to be the first working studio in the downtown area. So we want to expand on that and we're, we want to make sure that, um, we create a space or avenue that other artists could actually come, come in and, and create, um, and really make this downtown art district an actual art district because all we have is one or two galleries and i mean city that's probably the only one right now that's functioning um but our hopes is to really make this an art district um when you go to any city you go to their art district they have museum they have galleries they have studios they have all these and i think in orlando we're lacking in that and for the past 15 years i've been downtown and i've seen how we went from nothing to what we have now however we're we're stuck um so our goal again is to create this avenue that other artists was going to see that, okay, well, or even the business owners or the, the building owners will be like, okay, well, we have the space that's available here. Instead of holding it out, let's give it out to an artist. And we're, we're trying to champion that in, in some form or another, um, that again, to, that we could create a real artist community. 
um, you guys definitely are doing that. Thank you. So with with um with opening the the next space is um, it's it's a different format, but it's still very creative. Um, so we'll have our painting, then you'll have you know we could we could we could bring graphic artists, we could bring. Um, a lot of designers to come in and create stuff just it's not just painting because the art is not just paint and sculpture or there's different aspect of art. So the the other side will, um, to our studio will be that where again, like we could bring graphic artists from um, anywhere else and create work for them or they can create work and as well as print it and have whatever they want to do. I know I'm definitely going to be one of the first people in there once it opens up. I mean, you have a space. <laughs> thank you, thank you. With your studio downtown, you had a front row seat to a lot of the protests and the civil unrest here right. in Orlando. What was that like as an artist? To see? Uh, it was unreal, to be honest. Um, I was in here. Um, it was kind of quiet. And my um, again, um, Chris and I were in here working, and all of a sudden we we heard the shouting. I opened the door, started looking. I looked outside, couldn't really see where it was coming from, and then a sea of people just appeared out of nowhere. Um, and I remember I grabbed my camera and I started taking photos of of some of them, uh, of all the protests protesters. And at that moment, I felt so ashamed, and I put my camera down. And I know I I. Told a few people and I was like, "Well, you shouldn't feel ashamed," but I just felt that with everything that was going on, um, feeling the way I felt as well, because I, again, just like everybody else, I was in. I was there was a part of me that was scared, but there was a part of me that was very angry at what what all everything that was developing. However, um, sitting here, watch, seeing everybody walking by, and me taking pictures, I felt, I just felt ashamed. So I put my camera down and I was just, you know, overwhelmed by everything that was going on, by everybody that was there. And I saw a lot of like people that I wouldn't even expect to be part of the protest, um, walking down the street here. Um, and, the, and again, have being one of the, if not the only black owned business in the downtown area, as far as I know, I mean, I'm sure there's more, um, the love and everybody, the everybody, the respect that everybody was giving as they walked past the establishment was was unexpected, to be honest. Because I was at one point, I'm like, I need to stand in front of this door just in case if anybody want to do something stupid by throwing a rock or, or chair at the window. But I think that they also they respected the fact that this establishment was here. Absolutely. Peterson, how can the community get in touch with you and connect with you? Um, I mean, I have my uh, my studio downtown, Red Table Orlando. Um, you could find us on social media, Red Table Orlando, or my personal Instagram, which is kind of hard. It's <laughs> kind of hard, but it's MR underscore G-U-E-R-R-I-E-R. -R -E That's Mr. Guerrier. Or you can always Google Peterson Guerrier or Peterson Art Orlando. I mean, if you Google me, you'll find me. Uh, not to be, you know, braggadocious or anything like that. But, um, uh, or if you talk to any artists around Orlando, anybody in Orlando, they're somehow, somewhere they'll find me. Um, they sure will. I always but, seem to find you at the <laughs> at the best opportunity. <laughs> but we we always around, and again, our doors are open to 
we I have one I have a policy here where there's no ego, so our doors is always open to anybody that's willing to work with the, within the community and create. Thank you, thank you so much for that, Peterson. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for always being available. And I know from art to poetry, Barbara, who do we have coming up next? We have Rashida Calhoun. Rashida, are you on the line with us? I am here. Thank you so much for joining us, Rashida. We want you to close us out and close us out strong. Absolutely. Uh, I'm, I'm just so honored to, to have my name in the same sentence with Amanda Gorman because she is outstanding. Um, I've yes. followed her for a while and it was exciting to see her on inauguration day. Um, so I am a co-founder of a brand called No Pass, which was something that my husband and I launched because we decided we are no longer giving passes to people and systems that uh, mistreat Black people and people of color. And I'm also a spoken word poet and very, very happy to share a piece with you all today called Note to Self. All right. So here we go. Just a quick, a quick little bit about this piece. Um, it's something. It's a piece that I wrote a few years ago, and I actually wrote it as a letter to my younger self. Um, and when I went back and uncovered it recently, I recognized the relevancy to all young girls, but also grown women who still have little girls that live inside of them. Little girl, correct them when they mispronounce your name the same way they never hesitate to put you in your place when your left turn undermines their right. Speak up when they replace the E with an A because that's the way your mother meant it to be spelled. Tell them you are tired of them forcing themselves on you like what you came into the world with isn't yours. Do you know your worth, little girl? Don't smile and nod every single time he tries to feed you two truths and one lie as an answer to the five, six, seven whys you continue to try to piece together in an effort to preserve an empty bottle he keeps telling you is full. Don't be no fool. Stand up for yourself in the moment, and not only when you're recounting your version of what happened to your mother and your girlfriends, call your girlfriends. Huh? Call your girlfriends, even when you're angry, especially when you're angry, call them. Help them understand your heart before you ban them from sharing the same air because of some grand offense they don't even know they committed. And if the offense is grand, learn to sever ties wisely without destructing your own insides because you only get one heart, little girl. Believe that feeling in your stomach that triggers your brain to show disdain for the lame explanation he gives while he sobs into the phone, begging you to let it all stay the same. He will be the bane of your existence. When it's a lie, don't accept truth. When it's a lie, don't accept truth. Let yourself feel fearlessly, no matter how hard it hurts to birth new versions of you who don't accept roses as bandages for open wounds, packed in with egos just because he said so, whoever he is. Ask all the questions you want, whenever you want, to whoever you want. Take a second to make sense of the things that don't make sense to you, because the expense of playing dumb is one you will never be reimbursed for. Immerse yourself in every little detail and string them together like the lopsided knit sweater that it is. Shove the sweater in their faces. If they don't like it, walk out. Oh, wow, 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 wow. Rashida Calhoun, No Pass Brand. Once again, we want to thank WPRK 
91.5. Thank you so very much. Our seat, our table, Leadership Lounge. We will see you next Friday.